What do you do when you're not sure what the next step is in your career? On today's episode, the steps you can take to begin to figure that out. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 259. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to develop your leadership skills. And I'm really glad you tuned in today. If it's for the first time, welcome. If you've listened many times, one of the things that I know you've probably been thinking about is... How do you continue to advance and develop and support your own career? As leaders, it is our responsibility, of course, to be thinking about the careers of the people that we work with, the people that we have the privilege to lead. And I know, and speaking with many people in our community, one of the things that's often top of mind for us too is how do we do that good work for ourselves as well? And that's why I'm really glad to welcome today's guest, who uh, probably more than anyone we've ever had on the show has a very unique and broad perspective on exactly what kinds of things the people out there who are doing the best work around building their careers are doing. And that gentleman is Scott Anthony Barlow. He is the founder of Happen to Your Career. He's been helping people develop their careers and businesses for over 10 years as a human resources leader, business development expert, and career coach. And he has over 2,000 interviews worth of experience from his HR career. And Scott now interviews others telling their story of finding work they love on the Happen to Your Career podcast. And that's actually how Scott and I got connected originally, because I was very privileged to be invited to appear on his show recently. Scott, I'm so glad to welcome you to Coaching for Leaders. I am so glad to be here. We scheduled this about two months ago, I want to say, and I've been looking forward to it ever since. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Oh, me too. I really enjoyed being on your show. And I think of all the interviews, of, or at least the times I've been interviewed on another podcast, uh, yours was by far the most enjoyable because you really pushed me. And I was really impressed by how much research you did before the the interview. And you got me talking about things I don't think I've ever talked about, uh, <laughs> even on this show, as far as my own career. And I, I went back and listened to some of the other episodes you've done. and I And I got to thinking like, wow, we got to have you on this show because I really am excited and I know our audience will want to learn like, what have you discovered in talking to people over the last 10 years in the work you've been doing? So uh, I'm, I'm really glad for uh, your time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was a, a fun conversation. Actually, we've talked two or three times now, I think, and every single time I've enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to push you a little bit. Well, good. Well, hopefully I can return the favor <laughs> just okay, a bit. So you've interviewed so many people, both as a human resources professional and all the uh, and all the work you've done over the years, but also on your show. And I, I'm really impressed on how you get into so much of kind of the backstory and some of the details about what leads people to making certain choices and some of the, the difficult points in their careers. And one of the things I was curious about is... As you talk with people, what are some of the misperceptions that you see repeat themselves in having conversations with people about careers? 
Oh my goodness. You know, I think that there are a lot of myths, misperceptions, misconceptions about careers. And quite frankly, one of one of my goals is to get rid of as many as possible. So thank you for giving me another opportunity to do that. And, you know, I think that, I think especially in the U.S., and it's still prevalent in some other countries too, but I think that when we think about our careers, and even when we do career development in, inside different companies, and even when, you know, I've, I've worked in talent development in the past and worked in HR and worked in operations in a lot of different places, and there's, there's kind of this social bias almost that we have to have it all figured out for our career. So when we think about our career, first of all, career comes from, it comes from a couple of places, but the same, same root word is the word carriage. And really it means your journey or your path, right? So it's, it's like your entire path over your entire lifetime. And for some reason, we believe that we have to have everything figured out now. And that leads to, I mean, that leads to really awkward conversations with, uh, with managers who are like, how come you don't know what you want to do? Uh, you know, how come you don't know if you want to be the VP of uh, this organization or whatever else? And, and you know, if, if you don't know, then it's in some cases in the not so great companies, it's, it causes questions about your loyalty or, you know, whatever else, or in other, other cases, if, you know, we're 35 or, you know, 42 or something like that. And we have feelings about not knowing if this is the right place for us, what we're currently doing, or maybe things in life have changed. And, you know, a lot of times people feel guilty about that because we feel like we have to have it all figured out, even though nobody can have it all figured out. Well, some people look like they have it all figured oh, yeah. out. <laughs> in fact, a lot of people do. And I, 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 as you were saying that, I was thinking about just some of the clients I'm working with right now and even some of our mastermind members yeah it's so we 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 hear these these messages about you know we've got to have a vision for our career we we should know where we're going we should be confident moving forward and so it it really is uncomfortable at least here in North American culture like you were mentioning I mean so much of our identity I think for a lot of us yeah. right or wrong is tied up in what we do professionally. In fact, I'd argue probably for most of us too much. I know for me, probably too much. Oh yeah, and, for myself um, as well, it has been. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really an uncomfortable point to be at when you don't necessarily know where you're going next because it seems like that should be figured out. Well, I propose that people look at it in a different way because when we say get it all figured out, I think what very often jumps into people's head is what am I going to be doing and what is that occupation? And what is the next occupation I want to move to or the promotion or the, and it looks a little bit different for different people in different companies in different parts of the world. But a lot of times it is, what am I going to advance to? What am I going to grow to? And we get really stuck in those traditional paths of, you know, same company moving up the ladder, those types of things. One, because they're socially acceptable and they're Many companies instill in us that uh, hey, that is the that is the thing, and and I understand the incentives there. I mean, there's a lot of companies that aren't excited to send people to other companies, even if that's the right thing to do for that particular individual. I uh, I believe that's short sighted personally, but but instead, I would propose that we look at what do we want in our lives, and what are we great at, and then allow that to regulate our career. Oh, interesting. So it's looking at it 
I don't know if holistically is maybe the right term, but looking at more, not just within the scope of the career path in our organization, but when you say life, what do you mean? Yeah, great, great question. By the way, when I say this, I'm thinking about this for ourselves. So these are the questions that I ask myself. And when I work with people, these are the questions I'm helping them answer. Uh, and then also, this is, you know, when I... <laughs> When I worked in HR and at any level in HR, you know, whether it be director level or generalist level or anything like that, or when I was working in operations, any type of leadership that I've ever been in, the more that I understood these things for my direct reports and the people that I was leading, the more that I could actually help them and also the more loyalty and trust and everything else that I was able to build too. So to answer your question, what, uh, what do I mean when I say life? I'm talking about how do you want to spend your time is maybe another way to look at it. And for everyone, that looks a little bit different. But when I ask people that question, they're puzzled by it, first of all, yeah, <laughs> a yeah. lot of times, because very, very few people are looking at it this way. And then we, even, even if we can get past the, the puzzled piece, we get our biases uh, thrown in there or our perceptions and we say, Hey, look, it's not possible for me to want to spend, you know, a bunch of my career at home with, uh, with my kids and still be doing something that adds value to the world that still makes a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Or it's not possible to be able to become, you know, a VP of this organization and do so in this way that still fits the lifestyle that I want to lead. So we cast it out the window before we ever really are honest with ourselves about what it is that we want. And I'm just throwing examples out there, but those are things that when I've worked with clients in the past, or even when I've, you know, when I've had people on my team that have reported to me and we've really gotten past the superficial stuff or what they think is possible for themselves and get into what they really actually want within their life for themselves and how they want to spend their time. Then we start to uncover things that there probably are ways to do it. It's just, they've never considered it or never given it a real, real thought or option. So we, we can get deep into, into some of those things too, but can I share a kind of a quick story of, of how we frame this up for people that might make a little bit more sense? Yeah, please. And, and this may actually lead to what I was thinking in my mind here just a minute ago is I think for a lot of us, we sort of know that we should get a sense of what we want to do. And for a lot of people I talk with, it seems like that's really hard. And I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah. quite sure. That was hard for me for a while too. And I don't feel like that's as hard anymore, but I can't articulate what I did to get better at that. So uh, maybe we'll see if we can pull that out. Yeah. Of yeah. I'm, I'm curious what, um, about your story and what, what has worked. Well, here's where I'll start. Like, let's start with a baseline for understanding what this is all about. So uh, we struggle answering the question of, of either what we want or often what we're great at, or more, more importantly, this comes from a question of, of identity, like you addressed earlier, which is, hey, what do I want to do for my career? And that's, mm. that's the question a lot of people come to us asking. We've got a company called Happen to Your Career, and we help people make career changes, and we help people align their identity with, uh, with who they actually want to be, which also happens to, to move into their career and their career being a part of their life too. So my son, actually a different way to think about this, my son was uh, building puzzles one day and <laughs> I was watching him. This was like the, one of the first times that he, he built a puzzle. He's uh, he's like five years old now. This was when he was like two. And I, I was sitting there watching him. He's like grabbing all these different pieces and just like mashing them together. <laughs> just come, just totally just 
it wasn't working, right? Yeah, <laughs> it just yeah. absolutely wasn't working. So I watched him for a couple of minutes and then it's like, oh, I need to go teach him how to actually do this so he doesn't keep, so he doesn't ruin the puzzle, right? Right. So I go over there, I sit down with him and it's like, hey, Grayson, so let me show you how to, how to do this. And anybody who's built a puzzle knows that it, there's some really efficient ways to do it and some, well, all the rest of ways are not efficient. So you can, you can get your corner pieces. Those are easy to identify, right? You pull those out. If it's a rectangle, there's four of those corner pieces. You get the edge pieces and the edge pieces, you know, they all have that flat spot. So they're easy to identify. You pull them out and you set up the edge pieces. You can sort of see the colors put together and then you've got this frame, right? Yep. Well, here's what is interesting is that when you have the frame, even if you don't know what this puzzle is, you can then begin to fill in the picture because you can sort of see what the picture might be and what it might look like. And you know, we, we have little kids, so we have Paw Patrol puzzles and Donald Duck and uh, I don't know, all, all different kinds of things, Pokemon and whatever else. So, you know, I could see that there's Donald Duck's foot here on the side and know that, okay, you know, this is probably Donald Duck. Oh, here's Mickey Mouse's ear. All right. Well, I can sort of get an idea of what this picture looks like. And when you think about your careers, most people are trying to take random pieces like, hey, I don't really like my boss or I don't really like the environment that I work in. You know, we know a lot of stuff that we don't like. And we're trying to take those random pieces, jam them together and say, okay, well, how do I make a career out of, you know, I know that I like these couple of things. I know that I like to write and I know that I don't like not having a parking spot at my job. So how do I make a career out of those things? Right. <laughs> right. And I, I'm being you know, a little bit facetious, but instead what I would propose is that you look at it in, in a couple of different lights, take those corner pieces, which we believe are your strengths because those things don't change that much. They get developed over time mm-hmm. and some get more developed than others. But ultimately we've got a set of hardwired stuff. We've got a set of experiences. We've got things that we do better than others. We've got, you know, our perceptions. We've got all these different things that are often innate or already developed within us that we consider to be what we call your signature strengths. And then from there, you bring in those edge pieces, which those are, what do you want in the different areas of your life? And you can break it down a little bit too, right? So, you know, who are the types of people I want to spend my time around? And people often don't consider that sort of thing. And, you know, you asked earlier, like, what do I mean when I say, what do you want in your life? So this is me breaking it down a little bit further. You know, who are the types of people that you want to spend your time around? What types of environments do you want to work in uh, or around or essentially spend your time around? And that can be everything from, work culture to the actual physical environment to, Hey, where do I want to live? Or for me, it even means things like I go batty when I don't have sunlight. I, I'm standing here right next to, next to a window that is pouring in sun because I have to have sunlight. Like I'm, I'm not a very happy person if I don't have some measure of sunlight during the day. So whatever those things are for you that make up your environment, either tangible or intangible, you know, those things are thrown in there. Financial, you know, that's something that often people don't consider or they don't consider that they have the ability to influence it as much as they actually do. So we take, you know, those areas and, and several other areas and, and have that represent what do you want in your life? So you take your strengths, those things that you are great at or have the potential to be great at. And then we add those with those edge pieces of what do you want in your life? Put those together and you start to have a framework And then with that framework, you can start to see where you should be spending your time because now you can start to see what the picture might look like. But most people never bother to figure out those edge pieces and corner pieces. 
Well, and if you would allow me to continue the analogy a bit, I love yeah. this analogy, by the way. The picture could look a lot of different ways with the frame. So yes. you don't necessarily have to just create one picture. If you've got those edge pieces there and you've got those signature corner strengths, then there's a lot of different ways that that puzzle could look and yet still work around that frame. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And- <laughs> I, lo- I love the analogy, by the way. I had not thought about it that way. And I especially love the focusing on starting with the strengths because that's so key. And like you said, those are the kinds of things that for most of us develop, but they don't they don't really change a lot once we know what we're really, really good at it. That's a really powerful starting point. So here's an interesting thing with strengths, because I meet a lot of people that are like, hey, what's the big deal about strengths? Or they're like, hey, I kind of sort of get strengths, you know, you do what you're strong at, right? Whatever. But most people don't realize how big of a difference that makes. For example, you know, I've, I, let's see how many interviews have I done now? I don't know, like 150, we've had 150 people on our show and we, we have people that have made it to work that they love and, you know, are doing things that they really enjoy doing. And one of the consistent things that I see in almost every interview is that those people understand the value that they're bringing to the world. And when I say the value that they're bringing to the world, I'm talking about those things that they are great at or have the potential to be great at. Mm. And that is, that's something that I also, I have a a friend, her name's uh, Jamie Masters and she runs a company called the eventual millionaire. And she's had, do you know Jamie? Yeah. I don't know her personally, but I know of the show and I know of her company. She's, she's super awesome. But I was talking to her the other day and she was telling me that, Hey, like all the millionaires that I've had on my show, cause that's her thing. She interviews millionaires, right? All the millionaires that I've had on my show, uh, the, like 97% of them, 90%, I don't know who the 3% are, but almost all of them know very clearly what they're amazing at. Mm. Well, this actually leads me to something I wanted to ask you about, which is, and you, you've touched on this. A lot of us tend to, in our careers and even our organizations, work on improving our weaknesses instead of focusing on our strengths. And uh, I'm curious, when you start working with someone or you see people to make this shift, what is it that allows people to make the shift? And then for someone who maybe hasn't thought about this very much or at all and has just been working around, how do I get better at the things I'm not good at, what are some of the ways that they can get clarity on what their strengths are. Yeah, there's a lot embedded in that. So let me let me try and take one of those a uh, piece at a time. Could one be a five-hour podcast right there. Oh, man. <laughs> I, and this is one of my favorite topics to talk about too. So you asked a dangerous question. <laughs> you might have to boot me off at some point. But let's start with the first piece, which is that often people struggle with the mindset pieces around this. And there's there's a couple things embedded in that. First of all, there's a lot of pressure for people in, in many organizations that, uh, that are around to get better at the things that they're not, not great at or their weaknesses. Mm. We have a tendency to purport that as, as leaders. We have a tendency to uh, we incentivize that sometimes. A lot of times we make the mistake of hiring the wrong people into jobs. I would say most people this isn't true for all companies. Some companies do a much better job than others, but I would say most people are not aligned with their strengths. They don't get to spend, and when I say that, what I mean is they don't get to spend the majority of their day doing the things that they're good at and they enjoy. Uh-huh. And by the way, if if you find that that's consistently true for you, 
as you're listening to this, then I, that's where I would cause the question of, are you aligned with the right role, right company, right? Whatever it, it might be, because it's a whole different world. It's a whole different experience when you get to spend a bunch of your day doing the things that come more naturally to you. It doesn't mean all your problems disappear, but it certainly does mean that it's a lot more fun and it's a lot more worthwhile and you can contribute in a completely different way. So, you know, people, they're starting from behind, I guess. Someone at one point said, isn't it interesting that most people perceive their strengths to be the thing they had to work work hardest at to get good at? Oh my and, goodness, yes. And, and, I, and as I've thought of that over the years and I've, I've worked with clients, I thought, wow, it is so true. The thing we like had to spend years getting a degree on or... And, and yet, for most of us, that's not our strength because the strength is something that we're na- we're already naturally good at. And by the way, I'm not saying this to say we should never work at something we're not good at. There's there's a strong yeah. case for us to be made in a lot of areas on that. But Absolutely. that's not generally. Those aren't generally our strengths. We actually have this class that we run and I find myself again and again for about half the people that run through the class, they've gone through and they've got all this all this information back from their friends or family very often. And their friends and family are saying the same thing again and again. It's like, Hey, you're great at this. And they can see that for them because I mean, it's easy for us to acknowledge for our friends or our family or like, Oh yeah, Tim, like Tim is an amazing conversationalist. He can just talk to you for hours about anything, anywhere, anybody, anytime. Like Tim is a absolutely, yeah. And we know that stuff because it's easy for us to be able to see it for other people, but we have got blinders on for ourselves and something that comes easy, you said, you said it earlier very, very eloquently. I can't remember how you said it, so I'm going to butcher it. But when it applies to ourselves, we think that it has to be something that's hard or something that whatever else, but it, should, it shouldn't feel hard because it's our strengths. So we are, we're already better at it, right? Yeah. Like it comes naturally to us. And so uh, when people point that out for us, we're like, what? This old thing? You know, it's, we, we think it's not a big deal and we undervalue it. Mm, so easy to do that. I've done that so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Over yeah. the years. Yeah. Uh, I, I did an exercise of what someone had told me, ask people to write you, oh, it was like 20 years ago, ask people uh-huh. to write you a letter of what they see you as being really good at. Mm, and that's cool. I remember that being really interesting because it was totally not the things that I expected to hear. It was things that I was like, oh, well, isn't, isn't everyone good at that? <laughs> well, that's ex- that's the exact reaction. We all think that the stuff that comes easy to us is easy to everybody else. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. And so I'm curious too, you know, we've hit on some of these things. For for someone out there who's listening to saying, hey, you know, hey, okay, makes sense. I get it. Get clear on the strengths. But maybe doesn't know where to start, and yeah. we'll have, we'll have a way to do that too here at the end because you've got some great resources around this. But just just wants to start as, as at the beginning. Is it something like going and asking people, or are there other tools out there that you see that really help with this? I mean, I'm I've I've got one I'm thinking of, but I I'm curious what you use too. We've got a whole suite of tools. <laughs> this is one of my favorite topics. Let me give you a couple different ways because we could we could very literally spend. Uh, seven or nine hours talking about all of them. So let me give you just a couple of good ways to start. So one way that I absolutely love that anybody can do, and you can do it right now, like you can pause this, pull out a piece of paper, 
just regular notebook paper or like I'm writing on an iPad pro right now, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what you're writing on, but just blank piece of whatever. And you can start listing out what are your past jobs. And the reason I'm, I'm saying past jobs or past uh, projects or experience might be volunteer work even, but those give you different points in time to start to begin to think about this. And then within each of those, each of those roles, each of those jobs, each of those experiences, projects, whatever, I want you to list out what are the couple things that you enjoyed the most about the job. And even if you hated the job, even if you hated the role, even if it was one of the worst times in your life, there's probably still some things that you enjoyed. You might have to think about it for a little bit, but you know, peel back those layers to be able to get to it because this is going to make it worthwhile. So what are the two things or what are the things that you enjoyed the most about the job? And then what are the things where you felt like, or you consistently saw that you were better than other people at? Not the best in the world. That's not what I'm saying at this point, but just the things that on average, you know, you're a little bit better than others. And then do that for each of those things. And this is going to give you a starting point, just a kickoff point. This is not going to be the magic bullet to end all magic bullets, but it is going to allow you to start to observe some of the themes very, very quickly. And it's kind of a forced way to reflect. It's kind of a, it gives you a really easy way to kind of reflect your way through this and begin to understand, okay, wait, this surfaced in this job. Oh, this surfaced in this job over here too. Oh, wait a minute. Here's something weird. The, the same thing that, uh, that I enjoyed out of this job, which was, hey, getting the opportunity to speak and do training in front of uh, these people was also one of the things that I just happened to be better at than other people. Huh. Oh, weird. Hey, this job five years before that, I got to do a tiny bit of that too. Huh. That keeps surfacing in here. Why does that keep surfacing? And it allows you to begin to explore that in a different way than maybe what you have. So that's a great way to get started just with an exercise that literally anybody can do right here and now. Nice. I love it. I love it. And it's simple. (laughs) You know, some ways the best ways to do it are just the ones that are so simple of just taking that time to start, start sitting there thinking about it, collect the data we've already got. Another way, this is, this is a hack, I guess I would say that for all of our clients, we purchase this. It's something called strength finder 2.0. It's 177 questions. It takes like 35 minutes to do if you're going straight through it. And And it's very, very easy. But what I find is it's very, very accurate. And the biggest value out of this, and again, this is not going to solve all your life's problems or anything like that, or tell you that you should be, you should run an art studio instead of being an accountant or something like that. But what it will do you is give you verbiage for some of your strengths. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important part because once you have verbiage or some way to quantify sometimes these very intangible things, because people confuse strengths with skills, right? Strengths aren't skills. Like just because you can do pivot tables on Excel or something like that, that's a skill. That's not a strength. There's something underneath the surface that is causing you to be able to um, do pivot tables better than everybody else. So this helps give you some of that verbiage to make it more quantifiable. That way you can begin to focus on strengths. And once you understand what some of the things that you are great at or are better than other people, then you start to see them everywhere. Kind of like the, the, the red Honda car effect, right? I forget what it's called, like selection bias or something. I can't, I can't remember what it's called, yeah, what the phenomenon yeah. is. but you go buy a red Honda and all of a sudden you see red Hondas everywhere. I mean, your brain is now auto filtering that information in instead of auto filtering it out. So you start to understand what your strengths are and you start to see that. Oh my goodness. I love when I get to do that. 
huh, I never really made that connection before. I should do more of that. I love it. And that it, that's exactly what I was going to mention a moment ago. And I was like, no, 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 wait, you tell. <laughs> it was the Strengths Finder assessment. And we did a show on it a while back. And I see that as, to your analogy, that's the corner pieces. It gives yeah. you starts yep. to give you clarity around what those corner pieces look like. And then that's that's where you can go from there as far as putting the the rest of the structure in there. And and the great thing is is you can it's it's fairly inexpensive and anyone can take it online. And like you said, it doesn't take very long and it really does provide some good language around strengths. I found it to be really powerful too. Oh yeah. Well here's the thing though. Some people are unhappy with it. And I think that is primarily because of the expectations going in. Because what it will not do is it will not tell you how to apply that information. Like it it gives you some ideas in they give you a free ebook yeah, and everything like that. Or, or if you buy the hardback copy, then you, know, you can read it, whatever. But it won't tell you how to actually apply that. And some people are disappointed, but that's not its purpose. Its purpose isn't to get you to do the hard work of, of applying it. Its purpose is to give you exposure to the information in the first place so that then you can do, do your own work of applying it to your, to your life. So that's, that's a confusing point for a lot of people. They think it's going to solve a lot more problems than than what it, what it actually is intended to do. So we've got a couple of different resources around that. Like we sell this three video series on our, on our website that teaches you how to, uh, how to apply some of the information that you've got from StrengthsFinder. But just know that when you take, take it, it's not going to, it's not going to do that, but you, it's still very worthwhile because what it does is it helps you, it helps you remove sometimes months worth of work that would have taken you a really been painstaking otherwise and gives you that verbiage. Yeah, indeed. And and one of the other things that I you and I had talked about in advance was just how there's the perception from a lot of people out there that you need to have a lot of experience to make a big change in your career. And I'm actually I'm I'm interested in your experience with this, Scott, because you've had a lot of transitions in your career in the past and also you're going through one right now. Your your business is growing and you're pushing yourself in a lot of ways. And I know that some of that's uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I'm curious of us talking about that, but I'm I'm curious about just what you've dealt with in your own career on how you think about what experience you need when moving into the next role or step or opportunity. So let's kill off a myth, first of all. And that myth is that you need you need the perfect experience to be able to move into a role. First of all, if that were true, nobody would ever move into any roles ever because nobody has the perfect experience. <laughs> right, right. And everybody has gone through that. Like everybody's moved into something without experience. That's how everybody got their start, right? Let's, let's kill off that myth that you have to have the perfect experience. And knowing that, now that we're free and clear of that, we have permission to accept that okay, well, if we don't need the perfect amount of experience or anything, you know, how, how do we make transitions or how do we make moves into something that we, you know, doesn't have all of the job posting experience or whatever else. And that's, that's something that I've been able to do again and again and again. I did it because I got fired from like, this was my, (laughs) this was my intro into, into, I don't know, corporate America, the workforce, whatever. I got into a job that uh, I fell into it, it, seemed available to me. I took it. My friends were telling me this is a good job. It pays well, whatever. I I was having a terrible time. I hated it. I was, I gained like 60 pounds. Oh, no. um, 
it was it was bad. And I at some point, you know, as I'm driving to work and having panic attacks, I'm like, really, this can't be what work is really like. And I eventually went and talked to my boss and said, hey, I think I made a mistake accepting the job. And he thought that he made a mistake too, because three weeks later he fired me. So mine was born out of like all these career changes that I made came from that initial thing, uh, me getting fired and then me saying, look, I'm never going to do work again that I don't enjoy. How do I do this differently? So it came from necessity. And there's a story for career being like you were talking about a carriage and a journey because there are people that have things like that happen to them like you did. Yeah. And yeah. that's the end point. And they never recover from that. And they, you know, maybe do things that they've just, they're just never happy with in your career. And you clearly did something very different from that situation happening. Well, here's what I realized from that. I, I had a business, I had a small business in, in, in college where it, it grew quite a bit pretty fast where I was painting houses. And, it, you know, eventually I, had, I was running like crew of 25 people or whatever. And I was doing all the marketing and everything. So I took all this information that I learned in, in doing that and applied that to the job search world and realized that, Hey, guess what? If you go in and you build trust and and relationships and and other things like that, people are willing to take a chance on you. Because at the time, you know, when I was running that, that business and learning all this stuff, I was like this 21, 21 year old kid that had a painting business and trying to get people to allow me to, take $6,000 of their money and then take their baby, their house, like the most expensive thing that anybody will, not anybody, but most people will ever buy in their lifetime and then be trusted with it. So it turns out you can do the exact same things in career changes or, or job search or whatever you'd like to call that. You can then target companies that really fit the things that we were talking about with that puzzle method, you know, the things that you want in your life that have the type of people that you want to hang out with and the type of culture and the type of environment and all sorts of those things. You can target those companies, build relationships with those people. And then guess what? When, when a job comes open, you can then be a, one of the first people that they call or you can have them create a position for you or you can, if a job is already open, then you can get an interview before everybody else gets an interview and then walk into the formal interview already knowing exactly what they want and you know have an edge above everybody else. So there's lots and lots of different ways to do that. But most people don't realize that there's all of these other ways besides just applying online and accepting whatever, you know, whatever promotions your current company might give you. Yeah, and it's amazing to me how many times you can create your own position. I've done that a couple of times in my career, and it would never have occurred to me early in my career that I could do that. And now I think like, oh, that's a totally great way to go in a lot of situations of if you have that framework and if you've done some thinking around what's the kind of value I can offer to this organization. Yeah. And oh my goodness, we got to have such a good conversation about your story because you're proof positive that this stuff works, that there are other ways to be able to do this. I know that you're pretty humble too. So I don't know how much you've talked about that stuff on your show, but go, go check it. If you want a good conversation, you want to hear Dave's backstory, go. Can we link that up? Yeah. Oh, we're definitely going to link it up here. And I'll, I'll say one thing about that and it will link it up is I would not be, I mean, think of, talking about assessments, I mean, Dale Carnegie, the organization I, I work oh, yeah. with, it does a lot of assessments and hiring people. And they didn't at the time I got hired. And I would have never been hired 
if I had been, because I don't fit well with the yeah. typical culture of the kinds of work I was doing at the time when I got tired, uh, got hired. But over time, what I did is I just earned trust. I, I did learn the things I needed to know, but I also changed my work and I proposed how I could do a different kind of a job. And it morphed over time to do some really cool things that are totally in alignment with what I do. And I also set aside some of the things I wasn't as good at or had to work really hard at. And yeah, we actually got into that a lot of, in a lot of the conversation we had. So oh, I'll, I'll so definitely link up to yeah. that. So you that have fun. to hear, if you haven't heard that part of Dave's story, you have to hear that. Like they, You've been holding out on your listeners, Dave. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. So we could talk for hours, <laughs> but we can't because people need to get to. Speaking of getting to work, people are going to be listening. It's like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm at, I'm at the, I'm at the office. So let's leave people with two resources. First of all, is we'll link to the conversation about just my career on Scott's show. And like Scott was talking about today, I mean, uh, gosh, I've fallen flat on my face a few times too. And also, I've really thought about my career through a lot of the things that Scott's talked about. And I also know that for a number of people in our audience, that this is something that's very top of mind right now, because I've talked to many of our listeners who are thinking about this. And the good news is, as you can tell, Scott's got a lot of wisdom here, and he's put together a ton of resources for people. And one of them is a free resource that we're going to link to. We've set up an affiliate with Scott that I think it'll be really helpful to people. And that's a free eight-day course that everyone in our community can get access to. And Scott, could you tell folks a little more about that and, and what it, what's involved and what people would get if they check it out? Yeah, absolutely. You asked earlier, how do people get started with determining their strengths or, you know, what do we what do we mean when we say determining what you want in your life? So it's a course structured into an email and video series. So it gives you little bite-sized chunks, little three-minute videos and short emails that guide you through uh, getting started in each of these steps. So it, it'll force you to think about your strengths in a different way and quantify them in a different way. And then really what what are the different areas in your life and, and how can you answer those questions of what you want? And we have had, I get, I get emails all the time. It's like, hey, do you have a PayPal link where I can pay you for this? You should be charging for this. But <laughs> I would great. really like to make it free because I see so many people get a lot of value. I've had literally hundreds of emails at this point with people that have either made job changes or made significant uh, changes in their life from it. And I don't know, maybe I'm overselling it too much saying that, but it, it is a very simple way to get started. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Well, that's great. And there's so much on your website. There's so many other things you guys do, but I think this is a really good starting point for people who do want to take that next step and to have a framework to do it. And so we're setting up a link to get there. You can check that out at coachingforleaders.com slash Figure it out is the way to go to get that. So again, coachingforleaders.com slash figure it out will get you there, all one word. And, uh, and, and you can take the next step that will hopefully support you in implementing a lot of things that Scott and I have talked about today. Scott, man, this has been great. I really appreciate your time, your experience, and also talking about just some of the roadblocks you've run into in your own career. I know it's going to be really helpful to people as they're listening. This has been super fun. Thank you. Thank you so much again for having me on. I appreciate it.
The link again for that free eight-day course that Scott was mentioning is at coachingforleaders.com slash figure it out. And Scott's also doing a couple of free webinars coming up next week. I will put those links in the weekly leadership guide for those of you who receive those. And if you don't yet receive the weekly leadership guide, you'll get every episode's show notes and my handpicked resources for your leadership development in your inbox every Wednesday. And included with that is access to my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that will help you to get better results from others when you first join up on the weekly guide. If you're not already subscribed to that, you can go over to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. Now, three other episodes that will be of value to you if you found today's conversation of interest is two of them relate to StrengthsFinder. We mentioned in today's episode, uh, Bonnie and I did a deep dive on StrengthsFinder a while back on the show and talked about the value of the StrengthsFinder assessment was episode 89. And then in episode 90, we had a StrengthsFinder expert come on and actually debrief the results that both Bonnie and I had from StrengthsFinder. So if StrengthsFinder is something that from today's conversation, or, or maybe you've heard about it in the past and it's something you'd like to learn more about. Again, Coaching for Leaders, episodes 89 and 90 are good ones to check out. And then another related topic to today's episode, the secret of happiness, or at least the secret to happiness, was episode 134. What's the secret to happiness? Well, you got to listen to episode 134. If you haven't listened to it, go back and check that out. It's actually a really short episode, but I share my thoughts on exactly how I think about happiness. Check that out. All of the past episodes are at coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. So again, 89, 90, and 134. I'm thrilled to welcome on next week's show, Bob Frisch and Carrie Green. They are the co-authors of the book, Simple Sabotage, a modern field manual for detecting and rooting out everyday behaviors that undermine your organization. They have examined some of the sabotage techniques that were used in World War II against the enemy strategically and have looked at how some of those are still used in modern organizations by people who are not engaged and how you can prevent that as a leader. Fascinating conversation. I really look forward to sharing it with you. And by the way, the Q&A show on the first Monday of the month is coming up not too long from now. Submit your question for consideration on the next Q&A show at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. Have a fabulous week, and I look forward to joining you next week for a conversation about sabotage. <laughs> There's a word you didn't hear, think you'd hear on the show, maybe. Have a great week. Take care.